being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, August 25th. This is Fantasy Week in the feed right now. A DFS breakdown with Frank Stample. On this episode, we are dragging our good friend Josh Norris back onto the podcast <laughs> to talk some best ball and more specifically underdog. That This way I don't have to harass Josh and his DMs about how much I love underdog. Um, and, and this is not... Uh, by the way, if you use promo code, if you go to underdog.com, <laughs> draftunderdog.com, or you just download the underdog app and use promo code CBS, you get free a free $25 in bonus cash with your first deposit, which means that you can play in Best Ball Mania 2. Uh, I, I feel like I'm at least ahead of the curve here, Josh, in, cool. in being I'm – not, I'm, not, I'm a second-tier adopter. I am a self-proclaimed second-tier adopter, but I feel like I'm at least ahead of the curve before Best Ball and Underdog take off. Let's also say, Will, that my appearance on the show is not an ad placement. I am here because of of our friendship of and and because we like to talk football and, and and those types of things. I will say though, if you are not playing best ball out there, it's football Pringles. Like once you oh, draft once, you, you cannot stop. That's a perfect. And and I'm biased. I would say Underdog is the best platform for that, but it is so good even to prepare for that season long league that you care about most. Because you can get like the 102 slot one time and the next time have the 111. And if you want to, you know, start running back, running back or start wide receiver, wide receiver, you can test out all those constructions as well. And since in best ball, there are no waivers, there's no trades. You don't have to worry about setting your your lineup each week based on matchups because we set your optimal lineup for you after all the points are scored. It truly is the best way to figure out the optimal strategy that you want for your draft. And I, I'm so glad that you've started to love it as too, too well. Yeah. And I mean, the goal here, we sort of did this last year with the DFS podcast where we said, we tried to, we tried to, and we, and we did it again, as I mentioned, there's a, a, you know, sort of like a, basically a draft Kings chat with Frank Stanfield in the feed. But last year it felt, it felt like we were kind of giving our audience something new. Not, yeah. not, lots of people play DraftKings, but now it's, it is, it is extremely mainstream. It feels like, uh, after the last year, maybe the last two years, and then, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that underdog is a thing that has m- completely moved past sort of the. I, I don't want to. Like, no, we're in phase one of this, Will. Yeah, because okay. Sorry, I'm not wrong. I'm not crazy. No, and and it it's such a new thing where one for underdog when they have one year of data that there's still discussions on like roster construction. Like, should you take two quarterbacks, four running backs? You know. 10 wide receivers, 11 wide receivers, so on and so forth. This is all still new and, and raw that like 
no one is really wrong. No one is, is oh. really right yet. And we're still trying to figure out like the best way to approach all that. And I think that's what makes it so much fun. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I was out, um, I think it was like last Friday and was talking to two, two friends of mine who are big sports junkies. So do you guys do best ball? They're like, no, what are you talking about? So for those people who don't know, as Josh points out, what you do is you go into a 12, uh, a 12 person draft, just your average draft, 12 person. I think you can do probably three or 10 or whatever you want to do. You draft a team. It can be comprised of whatever you want. In theory, um, you have to have, I mean, you don't have to have it. Do you have to have anything? Yeah, you, you, there I mean, are limits on certain positions. There okay. are limits on certain positions. Okay, so yeah. you do have to have a quarterback, two running backs, uh, three so wide receivers. Yeah, the, the starting lineup is one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and one flex. Yes. That's it, right. and there, there are 18 rounds. Yes. Um, there's no defense. There's no kicker. That's and, it. and then what happens is on a weekly basis, you score points, just like regular fantasy, except, as Josh had pointed out, you don't – set your lineup at all if you have let's say you have six wide receivers and you have three wide receiver slots just ignore the flex for a second the three highest wide receiver scores of your six guys will be applied to your team right so if like marquez Valdez scantling has his week on monday night football or sunday night football of his 50 yard touchdown that we all attach to his name yeah. if you're playing regular season-long managed leagues and you didn't have him in your lineup my oh my, that is frustrating because that might have won you that week. But guess what? That's why those players, the MVSs, the, the, the KJ Hamlers, the Deshaun Jacksons, people in the past have thought Will Fuller was this. These are types that we love. As Hayden Winks, my co-host, puts better in best ball. And so having those types at the end of your roster and also ones week yeah. to week that you can count on as production, that's why the roster construction comes in and it's so tricky and so much fun to diagnose different ways of doing it too. Okay, so before we get into the strategy of that, I, I'm curious about contest selection because I think that this is key and I'm worried that I'm not doing a good job of it uh, because I'm only entering these gigantic... So the three contests that Underdog have right now are the, <clears throat> excuse me, the Puppy, and it's the Puppy 3 because you already filled the first two. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get me started on that. I mean, I think we put out the original Puppy. I'm just going to open up the curtains and, and open up the door so you can see behind the scenes here, Will. Uh, the first Puppy, I think was only about like 50,000 entrants and that filled in 11 days. I got, and then, three, I got three entrants into that one before it got filled. I was like, Whoa, I was <laughs> and, and the max you can put in is 150 entries. That's five bucks by the way. So yeah. if you use promo code CBS, you get $25 for free, skip the guacamole, put that in the underdog and you get five free entries here into the puppy three. And if you win the puppy three, you get $200,000, $100,000 a second place. 60,000 a third. Anyways, we, we've gotten to the puppy three now because, again, puppy two finished also well in 11 days. And now this one is at 220 entrants as well. But it only opened, I think, a week, two weeks ago. Um, oh, yes. I, I mean, I've I've drafted 20 puppy three teams. Love it. In, in a week. Yeah. And, and I think I got eight into the puppy two. Uh, Best Ball Mania 2 is also out there because Best Ball Mania. But that's the sequel to last year's best ball mania. Correct. This right? is the, the largest single season fantasy prize of all time. So a million dollars in first place. Correct. It's a three and a half million dollar prize pool. We opened it two days after the NFL draft was over. Yeah. A million and one dollars to first place, 250 to second. Best ball mania two last year will first place only got $200,000. So my mm. friend, just Justin Herzig, 
Uh, second place gets more than them this year. Anyways, 175, 100. So don't just think you have to win first place. You can go and you know win second, third, and fourth as well. And that's $25 to enter. Yes. And then the big dog, which is $250 to enter, I believe is... I will not ask any questions on your entrance in this one, Will. Uh, I don't mind. I mean, I've entered a couple of <laughs> times. I, I, I love look, it. I, uh, I, I, it, I find it. I mean, yeah, anyway, I've entered a couple of times. Um, it is a hundred K to first and it's a 20 round draft. So two extra rounds that actually saved my bacon last night when I was draft or two nights ago, <laughs> I drafting one. Uh, I was about to be screwed on the tight end position and, uh, only, I think only two, 2,300 people joined that one. So and if anybody's played DraftKings, if you've done any sort of DFS, you know that the smaller the pri- the smaller the player pool, the easier it is to win. Like right. a lower a lower score is going to win the big dog than whoever more than likely than whoever wins uh, Best Ball Mania too. And and you can't have you can't you, know, you can't import a lineup into this. You do a, a live draft. I mean, your all your teams will be different more or less. Right, and and there's some calendar differences here too. I mentioned when Best Ball Mania two opened. Um, that was like May 3rd, right? And so some of those teams had K-Makers as a first-round selection. For sure. Some, some of those teams obviously had Travis Etienne. Now, that also means you're going to battle against teams that drafted like Daryl Henderson in, in round 11, Marquez Callaway in you know, round 18. So it's it's going to be fascinating to find out where the winning team was selected, if it was early in the process <laughs> or right now when we do have more information. Now, if that... Not necessarily scared you, but begrudges you from taking, you know, and competing against players for the entire summer. Then go and try out the puppy because the puppy is so new and recent and just about two weeks old that yeah. that, that might be the, the right platform for you. Um, I have. And there's also one offs. Like if you and your buddies just want to try a draft, there's also private drafts, which I forwarded this video over to Will. So you go and like there's a three dollar one. There's a five dollar one. There's 12 person, there's six person as well. Will you need to try out the three person, six person drafts at some time? Anyways, you can get a link and just send it to your buddies and, and just go through a draft just uh, to get feelers out there and, and how the drafts fall right now. All right. So, contest selection. If let's say that you are going to spend a hundred dollars, oh, 125, because you deposit a hundred and you get your free 25 using Love it, Will. Yes. I mean, hey, that's fine. How would you, Josh, divvy up your interest? And I guess I'm asking this is it, do you think that it is necessarily similar from a payout perspective to so like when you do DraftKings, a lot of people, I think the majority of smart people believe that you should play enough cash. Yeah. Where in theory you can pay off your tournament entries or, or something along those lines. I, I don't do that. I just like playing the GPPs. Um, probably stupid, but I'm a stupid person. And uh and I figured that enough I'll, if I can hit enough, then it'll 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 balance itself out. Do you how does that how does that sort of um a, what approach do you think is the best way to do it on, on underdog yeah i mean i want to expose your sum to best ball mania 2 so with that extra 25 bucks that you get i would put one entry into best ball mania 2 but i would wait until the last second to do it so i would let this third week of preseason happen yeah. see if there are any more injuries see if we know mac jones is the starter see if we know Jameis winston is the starter trey lance so on and so forth so i have all the information possible because then i think that might be the best competition against the people who drafted in May and got some ADP differences. Agree with that. Now, that would also leave me 20 entries into the Puppy 3. And that's okay. what I would do as well. So I would okay. 20 so, entries okay. so, and then so, one the, entry in Best Ball Mania 2. Okay, so the approach to put into these big tournaments, 
is perfectly fine. Like you don't need to be doing a like a bunch of little twelve man leagues and trying to win those. Is no. that okay? Um, because if you win your league in the puppy three, because how this works, how the tournament works is you know it cuts it off at a certain weak point so yep. you can start playoffs. But it's the winner in second place get to advance. And if there's any overlay, if there's not enough filled, then that's when they start taking wild cards. So maybe some third place, high scoring third place teams. Right. So you still have a chance of winning your league in the puppy and basically returning on the same thing. That would be like the same thing as cash games as like these one-off single. So if you win your league and you advance to the playoffs in the puppy, you're going to get paid. Yes. Right. Okay. So, I mean, in other words, like, you know, I mean, you, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked at what the payouts for the smaller leagues are, but it makes a lot of sense to just like, just do these bigger tournaments and you're hoping that you win your league or finish in second place anyway. I mean, you don't, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not here playing for 25 bucks, right? You're, you're playing for the million bucks. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why we're doing this. All right. So with that in mind, and you know, I think that's, that's how I would probably appropriate it too. Uh, and I, it, when you, the, the fast, I didn't even thought about that. I mean, I guess I had, but like, you know, in best ball media too, you're competing against, a bunch of hashtag sharps who were drafting in, you know, in May. And I was, I was late to the party in this, but you know, the, um, I mean, some of these guys have great value on the other hand, like I saw, um, uh, uh, Josh from uh, at Josh ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like tweeted out his Scott fishbowl team and it was like his, you know, cam makers and Travis Etienne were two of his first four picks. I mean, it's over, you know, it's done. Right. Right. There has been, I mean, again, we're learning so much about this. It's odd. The the wide receivers, there was like a two-week period in there. You might have missed this, Will. All got pushed up. I mean – Oh, there, no. There I was in the middle of that. Yeah, th- there were points in June where maybe only one wide receiver was being selected in round one, and that was probably Tyreek Hill and your Travis Kelsey. So, like, 10 running backs were going in round one. Now, that would also, at the time, have allowed you to get, like, an Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams stack pretty easily if yeah. you had wanted it. Now there's at least three wide receivers going in round one, at least in Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, whatever order, plus um, Travis Kelsey. Okay. I've also seen, I'm sure you have, Calvin Ridley, maybe DeAndre Hopkins get taken at like the 112, you know, 2 1 turn quite often because people really want go, these. I've seen Ridley go before 12. I mean, right. And yeah. so people, because people want these wide receiver, wide receiver starts. Um, so, Think this is ever evolving, and well, I also think we forgot how different last off season was during this period. When, no, oh yeah, with no preseason, it's why preseason was, was ripped away from us. I mean, yeah. think about and this is Tommy. Think about how different last year's fantasy season would have been if we had just seen James Robinson run with the starting lineup for for two games. When he went as a last round pick in a lot of your home leagues, your managed or, or undrafted or undrafted completely, and then he goes and becomes the running back seven overall yes. in in fantasy points per game, your entire fantasy landscape w- would have changed. And so we're getting all that. We're maybe overreacting in some situations. Wait, oh no, we are a hundred. We are right. we are thirsty in these streets, Josh. We are overreacting like crazy, and that's fine. But there, totally it's fine. Like, it's like 20% more overreaction than it would normally be, I think, or something in that range. I mean, so I was drafting on Monday night some some best ball teams, and Marquez Callaway is going off. I mean, he's catching two deep bombs from Jameis Winston. He, his, and I was telling Frank Stanfield this yesterday, his ADP went from 
He's, he's, he's like listed on the thing. It's like 150 and he's going 120 or like 110. I, I was trying to grab him. And he's, he'd already been taken in, in any draft I've done. Jameis is going a little bit earlier. You know, we saw well, likes of Terrace Marshall are going much earlier. I was touting him at like wide receiver 72. He's all the way up at wide receiver 58 now. Jerry, Rondo, Jerry Judy, who's yeah. had a good preseason, is, is shot up into the fifth and the fourth round in, in now. And he was going in the Rondell eighth. Moore, wide receiver 54. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Marcus Callaway, wide receiver 59 as well. It's so funny, Will, because there are certain players I've been touting this summer, and this shows you how little influence I have even though I work for the damn company. Um, <laughs> Damian Harris is still going as running back 21, despite what I've been trying to say all summer long. And there are some other players, and Will, maybe this is the edge. Everyone's searching for an edge. Maybe this is one. We just talked about a bunch of rookies and, and people who change teams um, climbing because of their, their performances. Curtis Samuel has not changed at all because we haven't seen a, a lick of him, and he's dropping at wide I've been, receiver. I've been snagging some Curtis Samuel the last couple Wide years. receiver 49. Will Fuller is a player that we haven't seen a second of, and he's going as wide receiver 42, okay? Mm -hmm. And so maybe these players who are in great situations but have not, like, been able to put a performance out there even in practice to show, like, oh, let's salivate over this, this, and this, maybe that's the edge, and those are the guys that can drastically overperform by 5, 10, 15 wide receiver spots later on. I like that idea. Okay, so I I want um, to get to specific players in, in a minute after the break, but I am curious, exposure-wise, what, you know, so one of the cool things about any other, look, this again, this is not an underdog ad, but it, the app is awesome. I mean, I, I sit on my couch at night and I watch whatever show's on and I do a couple, I do, I'll usually get a puppy draft and a best ball media draft going and I'll, and I'll, and I'll go through there. It is incredibly native you can open up your own you can upload your own rankings um i look i'm not you know you can't find underdog ranking and underdog specific rankings many places i use establisher runs um you i mean evan silva and adam levitan they do kind of good work i don't know who those guys are yeah i never heard of them right um uh brick by brick josh uh <laughs> i guess i guess rosenthal is brick by brick right um but so you can upload your own rankings and that can give you an edge too, because it, it's currently sorted by ADP when you draft. And so if you, and you can, you can create your own rankings too. And the totally. key here is that if like I have 37% Travis Kelsey, because I take Travis Kelsey in the first round anywhere outside of the third spot right now, because I'm going, I'm going to keep, I'm going to take more Kamara. I think, because I think the James Winston situation helps him. Dalvin, I sort of begrudgingly take it too, and Christian McCaffrey's at one. But anywhere else, I'm just going to take uh, Travis Kelsey. W what is a what? Do you, what would be your like? What do you think is a good exposure number to cap? Or do you even cap it? Oh, that's so tough, Will, because I think everyone has their guys, right? And like talking about edges, last year a lot of it probably would have been rookies because that was a total unknown and no one knew anything. Not to you know from myself under the bus here. But last offseason, I was talking more about like Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager and not enough about like Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool, you know? And, and I mean, so, nobody, nobody knew. Right. And, and so these things happen. Um, I don't know if I would ever go uh, more than 30% on one player or 33% on one player. Um, unless, unless, well, no, no, un, 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 unless you get to, certain parts of the draft yes where it's just like okay we're beyond round 12 or round 10 and like that's where like when Hayden and I were reviewing these winning teams from last year 
Yeah. The draft is really 12 rounds long. And then in rounds 13 through 18, you'd be very, very lucky to get two to three usable weeks of any wide receiver or running back. And really the best thing to target in that area is your quarterback two or your quarterback three. Okay. But it's also those quote unquote better and best ball types, the MVSs, the KJ Hamlers that can hopefully give you like super spiked weeks that put up, you know, 12, you my, my, 60, my 62% of Brashad Perryman. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that that's another one of those names that, that can totally work. I guess my point is this, like if we get into that running back area, which is called the running back dead zone yes. of like the Trey Sermon, Chase Edmonds, Javante Williams, Kareem Hunt. And if you have one of those guys at 40% and not like a little bit more flat exposure among other ones, because we know that like the hit rate on that area can be lower. Sure. And if you only plant your flag on one and he misses, then a lot of those teams are just going to be dead. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's oh, for sure. The exposure is different in different areas of the draft for sure. If, if Trace, uh, for, for the record, I have an obscene amount of Trace Sermon. As and you I, should. And I don't have a problem with that. And if Hayden, your, your colleague, Hayden Winks, didn't stop tweeting out the 49ers <laughs> playoff schedule and video and gifts of Trey Sermon, I'm going to kill him. Like, stop it. I want, I want, I just take him in the I'll sixth round every time because he's not making it past the sixth round. Like, right. You never see him go to the seventh round. Um, so, all right. So, and again, uh, yeah, who are so, your highest exposure players? Do you mind? I, uh, Rashad Perryman. Why? Give us a little reasoning. Give us a little taste. All right. So Perryman is dirt cheap. He's in that fifteenth uh, or later round. He is a guy who's just going to. There's first of all, there's it's T.J. Hawkinson, Brashad Perryman, Tyra Williams, and um, Quintez Cephas on on Detroit. They have to throw the ball some, and you know they are going to get some. Uh, you know you're going to get some matchups that are against good pass defenses. And Brashad Perryman to me is the quintessential going to catch a bomb or two and probably have mostly lame weeks but if he if you give him enough targets and jared Goff is a quarterback who he's was a quarterback he's, he's a human being with legs and an arm um you know i, I and that line's offensive line is actually not that bad so no, i agree so basically i'm looking for perryman deep bombs uh trey sermon who I, i'm just i'm i am planting yeah. my flag on trey Sermon, and, and i don't i think i'm i'm definitely i mean i, I have i've bet trey sermon to lead the league in rushing and bet him to i love that win rookie of the year at a uh, hundred to one and 28 to one respectively. So, I mean, look, we haven't seen where he most for a second in the preseason, but what we think of like the player archetype of where he most is. And I think the reason why they're saving him is he's the most explosive back in the NFL. And that might seem like a crazy statement, but when we check oh. his miles per hour and we, we, we check his highlights, it's, it's absolutely factual. So I think that they realize that they don't have anyone else on their team that can fill that kind of a role. Meanwhile, and as cliche as it sounds, well, I think you're going to real, really have like a thunder and lightning approach. I, no, I agree. Trey Sermon for 15 to 17, sometimes 19 touches when the team. I mean, we've seen it with Kyle Shanahan against the Packers a few years ago where, where he most ran for like 220 yards and three touchdowns because if they can't stop it, they're just going to keep running it. And the history of the Shanahan family tree, they never invest in the running back. He's the highest invested running back in the history of the Shanahan tree, right? And it's not yeah, just a well, third rounder. It's two third rounders because they traded up to get him. They traded they, up to get him. Did he, wait, did they draft Clinton Portis and then, or did they, they drafted Champ Bailey and traded for Clinton Portis, right? Correct. Correct. So, so I mean, they've never, they didn't invest, you know, in high round picking. Right, right. Correct. So the highest invested running back in, in the, in 
two generations of the Shanahan family. They added Alex Mack in the offseason. Um, they had they brought back Trent Williams. They, they are a run heavy team. And if you know if Trey Lance is in there, it's going to open up the run game as well. This is to me. And if you watch Trey Sermon play at Ohio State, this is a one cut, explosive zone runner. I mean, this he is a, a archetype for for the Kyle Shanahan offense. So I'm all, I'm all in on him. And not to you know take this interview over, but Will is he often like your your running back too? Like, are you leading with like an anchor running back? I know you probably want to talk about maybe this kind of draft. No, no, this is later a, no, no, no. This, you're not taking an interview over. This is a conversation. Um, um, because that so, is kind of a difficult area. Like, if I can bring up where where he's going, it, it, it's in an area where we love a lot of those wide receivers. So yeah. you probably have either gone Travis Kelsey, like you mentioned, to start maybe a running back in round two. Here, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what I did. Yeah, I would love to hear this. In this big dog draft uh, last night. So this is, I mean, a high stakes draft. Um, I went Travis Kelsey at fifth overall. Actually, I, I back up what I say I do. Um, then I went AJ Brown at 20th, Robert Woods at 29. And then I know that this is, I know there's some popular to take these dead zone running backs, but Miles Sanders to me is undervalued for how he looks. Interesting. And so I, then I went Miles Sanders and so he's your running back three is basically what you're saying with Trey Sermon sometimes. No, no, no Miles Sanders is one. Oh, okay. Uh, then I grabbed Chris, I'm sorry. I missed Chris Godwin in there. So I picked up three wide receivers and Travis Kelsey. And then I grabbed, then I grabbed Sanders. Am I missing there? Shouldn't there be a, oh no, then I grabbed Sanders, Trey Sermon, Kareem Hunt. Okay. So I'm living in the running back dead zone. You are now like big picture. If we can zoom out from that, you have your three wide receivers, you have your tight end. So that's your starting lineup each week at those positions. And then there's this phrase that we, we started using that you need to win your flex a lot of times because that yeah. can be like the big differentiator. And so then going three straight running backs, that means your third running back and those other wide receivers that you're going to draft afterwards are like competing for your flex spot. Just to quickly throw out like, I mean, I personally love Mike Davis. I, I personally love uh, Damian Harris, but there are so many great wide receivers going in that range that can sometimes feel dirty to take a running back instead of them. Uh, Debo Samuel is one. Uh, Devontae Smith, I think because he missed so much camp, like that has dropped. I think Hayden and I are 10 wide receiver spots ahead of ADP and where Devontae Smith is going. Mike Williams could have a massive year. Michael Gallup, so on and so forth. But you're also going to find yourself, and I'm sure you have in drafts, Will, where wide receivers just fly off the board fly. at the top. Like, I mean, 20 names in the top three rounds easily. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's Josh, that, that too, to me is like, it, it, when you do these roster construction on these drafts is you're also, you can, you can, it, it might, it, the Mike Tyson line applies, right? Like everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You can go into this draft. And first of all, you don't know your draft spot until 60 seconds before the draft starts. Right. You have to be prepared to draft from everywhere. And when you, you know, you can, I can go in and get Travis Kelsey and then Saquon Barkley falls to me. Right. Or Jonathan Taylor or, you know, whoever else. And I'm like, okay, I was going to take a wide receiver, but the, the big guys I like, you know, Ridley's gone, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it, you know, um, so I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. And then at yeah. that point it changes how your, your entire draft goes. So I, I, I don't really have necessarily a, um, I don't have a concrete, I have a general strategy that I go into it with where I'm going to take either Kelsey or one of the three stud wide receivers Okay, here's my question. How early are you taking Travis Kelsey? Because you're not getting the 105, 106 every single time. 
no, I mean, I, I'll take him. No, that's what I said, like I said earlier, I'll take him anywhere from 104 down. Okay. And usually he won't make it to me, but I found that if Kelsey – here's my thing. If Kelsey doesn't make it to me, then I can get um, one of Diggs, uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. And if those, if all those guys are gone, then I'm going to have an opportunity to grab – Two running know, backs. Yeah, Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, et cetera. And so it, it's almost that's how I that's how I sort of build out my strategy when I'm drafting is I I those are my four key guys. Dare if I say I, that like the, the 103 is the most difficult spot that you're in because you're most likely gonna miss out on Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Correct. And you have to make that decision between Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, and I'll throw an Ezekiel Elliott's name in there at, at <laughs> the three spot. And then once you get like you're saying to the Four area five six, you can have that conversation of of Kelsey, Tyreek, Devontae Adams, and Stefan Diggs. And I really like taking that approach of taking like such a difference maker pass catcher and then coming back in round two and getting Jonathan Taylor or getting Najee Harris. I'm I came into this preseason super I'm skeptical. Like Harris, and now it's like eh, I kind of kind of love him. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he's gonna get the opportunity. Maybe we're just stupid nerds who've too much focused on like big Ben's arm and offensive line. And maybe the Steelers are actually right. And this is going to be okay. Cause he's going to get 350 touches this year. And that is so bankable. And I think as long as health happens, like CEH has a path to like a top seven season. Agreed. So again, getting those top, you know, three or four pass catchers and then following it up with a running back in round two. And sometimes even Joe Mixon falls Austin Eckler. That would be my ideal strategy of the wide receiver tight end and then running back start. Yeah, I mean, I sort of treat it like, and this is, you know, people will make fun of me because I'm you know, jamming in a, a, a musical reference that I like to jam in every show, but it's like, it's sort of like a jam band where I know what I know what notes I'm going to start playing with. Like those four guys, like there's four or five, you know, I'm targeting these core guys, but then I'm going to let how the draft goes dictate my strategy from there on out. And it's also, if you're drafting these puppy drafts, you're spending five dollars. I mean, it's it's don't get me wrong, it's five dollars. Like you're trying to win a bunch of money, but you can afford to take some chances and be a little contrarian and and, and you know you already have exposure on other guys in different places. Yep. And I also want to point to Justin Herzig's team last year, who won best ball mania. He had two dead zone running backs, Will. He, he I mean, he took Alvin Kamara at the start, and that ultimately won him because that was Alvin Kamara's, you know, monster final week game sure. that you know, won him the two. You had to have him to win the to, to win the title. But yeah. he was the only one that advanced to the finals that had Alvin Kamara. Wow. So th- this is another thing to look for if you're going to enter these big tournaments. Not necessarily look at that final week schedule. Look at the weeks ahead of it because a lot of those players will are going to have the same. T- like Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry were on a lot of those teams that advanced. But when they had a, a, a small final week, they didn't have a chance of winning the whole thing. Mm. So if you look at like week 14, week 15, instead of just, you know, week 17, that might be one way of, you know, having differences in the lineups as well. But what I was going to say is he had Alvin Kamara, I believe he had Chris Carson, and he had David Montgomery. So like we live in this football bubble right now. And a lot of people are trying to figure out, again, what the best construction is and, you know, take zero running backs, fade that spot because it's super fragile, so on and so forth. All you need is one team to hit. Yeah. It's 18 picks. If you get it right, there's not one right answer. You can have, you know, three running backs through five rounds. You can have three running backs through 12 rounds. You know, there's so many different ways of doing it that I wouldn't t- focus too much on just one way and let it fall to you like you're saying. 
I agree. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, a couple more players and how important is stacking? The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so the as I was telling you before we started uh, the podcast, Josh, I had... I was really excited about this. In fact, I was like, I was like scribbling notes. I was like, I got to make sure I ask Norris about this tomorrow. But um, I came out of the same draft where I had the two, you know, Sanders, Sermon, Kareem Hunt, Michael Carter, the running backs. Uh, and then I had AJ Brown and Robert Woods, as I mentioned, who I took, um, you know, right around or ahead of their ADP. And I started looking at it. And as sort of the draft was unfolding, I realized that I could potentially get Matthew Stafford and Ryan Tannehill to pair with my top two receivers. And anybody who's played any DFS or fantasy knows that if you, you, you might not win with it, but you sure as heck increase your upside by adding the, the pass, the, the pass thrower to the pass catcher. So every time Robert Woods or AJ Brown catch a touchdown, I will be getting two touchdowns worth um, is, is, I mean, this sort of seems obvious, I think, but just to clarify, stacking is kind of paramount here, right? In tournaments, it makes more sense because, again, we just talked about it like on those weeks that you need to advance in week 15, week 16, week 17. You're hoping for a Matthew Stafford game. You're, you're hoping for the Titans. We just talked about, you know, during the playoff run, what San Francisco's schedule is going to be like. I also, on the other hand, though, will think there is like a major detriment in those tournaments if you had reached by like a round or two to get your stack because there's going to be other teams that had those quarterbacks fall to them perfectly. Right. That, or even found value in those stacks as well. Um, It's so tough. You know, a lot of people say, well, the only way I'm going to get Patrick Mahomes is if I draft, you know, Travis Kelsey or Tyree kill, but then you're spending like a fourth round pick on Patrick Mahomes, sometimes a third round pick. I would like to get your thoughts on this. What do you think about not stacking necessarily your number one wide receiver or your number one tight end or your number two wide receiver? Like, let's say instead you get like Mike Williams as your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, and then you pair him with Justin Herbert because, well, I keep looking at these drafts and this is good advice for people out there just in their managed leagues too. 
I mean, again, we love those top five quarterbacks that range from Patrick Mahomes to Dak Prescott. I can see Russell Wilson having a a quarterback one overall season this year. We saw what Justin Herbert did last year. I mean, even in that top tier, there's a 30-pick difference between where Patrick Mahomes is going and Dak Prescott is going, right? But then there's that like sweet spot, I think, of quarterbacks right now. I absolutely love Matthew Stafford as as quarterback 13. I mean, that feels so good. And like if you get a Calvin Ridley early on, if you get a Cal Pitts early on, Matt Ryan as quarterback 18 makes sense. And then, as you know, you can keep going. You can do two stacks like you talked about with Curtis Samuel, who I'm hyping up. Logan Thomas is going as like the tight end nine overall. You get Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you want to do Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas and Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's it's there for you. Correct. And that's so much easier to achieve than a Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Patrick Mahomes stack, right? Oh, absolutely. I would say that 90% of the time that I do those stacks with the mid-range, the third-tier mid-range quarterbacks, um, I don't even really mess around with like Dak stacks or I, I you know, I drafted Josh Allen with a Stefan uh, Diggs uh, roster, but I had to reach for Allen by 10 spots on his ADP. And, you know, ultimately that hurts your team because you are, you know, you're giving up a player at 40th overall that you might be, and maybe Josh Allen falls to me. Maybe he doesn't, you know, so I, I agree with you. I think if, if you, you, if you're going to stack, you need to stack in a way that is like, like in line with the ADP or valued. Correct. If you're reaching just a stack, I think you, I think you, it's a detriment to your roster. And typically, and every team is different, but if you look at like the league as a whole, wide receiver quarterback connection is the strongest. I think actually tight end running back connection is, is the least yeah. strong, but like that, who cares? Um, <laughs> it, but it's, it's different. It's different. You know, like a Lamar Jackson to like one of his pass catchers is certainly is not the same as a Russell Wilson, a DK Metcalf connection. Right. Oh, of course not. Yeah. Like I, I had an instance uh, at some point in the last week where I got, I was on, I was on a, I was close to the, to the turn. And I had drafted only running backs and wide receivers. And I, oh no, you know, I, you know, I was on the turn. I was on the, I was on the 12 spot. And I, and as it was come, as it pops up, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews were both available. That to me is a very natural pairing. Correct. Because their ADP is very nearby. You can grab them and put them together. And then later on, I, I, I wasn't even looking for it, but I was, I came up and it was like, and Marquise Brown was available. And at that point, it was like, oh, well, he's, He's just falling because every because he's hurt. Nobody wants to draft him because he's you know. And, and well, you might have noticed this, and maybe in some of your big dogs, at some point people like focus so much on stacking that they won't even look at quarterbacks that they don't have an affiliated yeah, wide yeah, receiver yeah. or tight end too. So then, like I don't know, a Justin Herbert will just fall to you if you if you're the one that took Keenan Allen early on, or if you're the one that had Austin Eckler on your Correct. team. It, and and the if room you, of twelve drafters is so different, I can't stress it, that enough. It's so different. It's crazy. You just don't know how things are going to play out. And to your point too, like in a five dollar draft, you're a lot less likely to see people focus on stacking, right? Than you would in like a two hundred fifty dollar draft, where because people are just you know it's just a, it's a turn that gets hammered and hammered and hammered. Um, any other strategy thoughts you have? In I mean, I don't want to say in general because I hate asking in general questions, but you know when. Or are there players you're avoiding? Are there players, um, you know, like how early do you want to take a tight end? I usually go, 
I usually go Kelsey or Kelsey or push it back. Yep. And then we'll maybe look at Hawkinson. And if that doesn't happen, then I'll, I'll grab a Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas and Noah Fant is sort of my floor for where I want my tight end one to be. For sure. I would say when looking at tight ends, a lot of people just care about snaps played. Part of it is where those snaps are played. And this seems like a small oh. detail, but it's really oh. important because slot snaps are great. Slot snaps, like for Logan Thomas, for, for Noah Fant, that means they're not going to be left in as blockers. If your guy's blocking in the offensive line, if, if he's playing in the offensive line sucks, he could be blocking in those passing snaps. So like that's where Adam Troutman was. I'm a little bit sour on Cole Komet because he's such a vital piece of like the inline role for them. Yeah. That, that's how we could have identified the Darren Wallers last year, the the Logan Thomases, the the Noah Fans, so on and so it'll, forth. It'll maybe the exception just because of Correct. how that offense runs and he floods out of there. But the, the number one rule though, when I'm drafting, is you have to take four wide receivers by the end of round seven. I, okay. I, I really think that that is important because that position is so talented and it matters so much for just the strength of your team as it goes along. Now you'll see drafts that like people have six wide receivers before round seven. But I, I, I think that there is a drop off, especially with some of these rookies and some of these players that we haven't seen that like, if you do cap it with a Mike Williams at the end, then that allows you to avoid like the uncertainty of, I don't know, like an Elijah Moore or yeah. a Rashad Bateman at one point who I still like, like I still want to draft a lot of those, but I don't want to force them into my starting lineups each week uh, or have them be based on how I drafted. So, and, uh, and, and, and that's part of, have you drafted any teams that didn't? Yes. I actually, I actually did one last night. Okay, um, I want to hear this. Yeah. I, I, was, I just brought it up. So I was in the ninth spot and I went, Kelsey fell to me at nine. I'm going to take Kelsey at nine. All, all day, every day. I have no problem with that. Uh, all the wide receivers had been gobbled up, and that's why Kelsey fell. And then Ridley and I think AJ Brown and DK Metcalf went. So I grabbed Jonathan Taylor at sixteen. Um, the that meant that my first wide receiver was going to be thirty third overall, and I, that I don't feel comfortable with it. And essentially, what happened is I took. And of course, I jammed Trey Sermon in there as well. But four of my next five picks were um, were wide receivers. Well, whenever I hear something negative during the season about Trey Sermon, I'm absolutely thinking about you. <laughs> I mean, if if Trey Sermon does a bad year, if Trey Sermon gets hurt tomorrow, I'm like shutting down my life. Um, so essentially, what happened? So four of my next five picks were wide receivers at that point. And basically, what ended up happening, Josh, is my starting wide receivers, and, and frankly, I'm not comfortable with this are Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Miko Hardman, and Mike Williams. I, this team's probably not winning much. Now, so, so my, my question to you, again, you have to start three wide receivers each week. How comfortable are you right now with a wide receiver, Miko Hardman, who we don't even know can play the position as your wide receiver three on your team? You know what I mean? I'm not comfortable at all. I mean, I, you know, Mike Williams, who I got, I think, 12 picks after his ADP. And then I actually added Curtis, I added Curtis Samuel – uh, about 10 picks after his ADP. Devontae Parker, 20 picks after his ADP. Gabriel Davis, 20 picks after his ADP. I don't know why. And Brashad, and I threw in Brashad Perryman. At that point, it was I was sort of thinking, okay, I want guys who are being undervalued at wide receiver because Devontae Parker's had a 1,000-yard season. You know, Curtis Samuel is beloved um, by, you know, 
by Scott Turner and by Ron Rivera. There's a very good, you know, and as you point out, he's under, he's undervalued. Um, and, and then Gabe Davis and, and Brashad Perryman are high upside guys. Right. So the goal there was sort of, all right, you know, we, you know, this is a team where a lot has to hit for it to be the, the floor is very low. You know, maybe the ceiling is high if these guys all brother-in-law it, but yeah, you know, I, I don't feel, I didn't feel, but you're drafting as if you're right. I was glad right it was a puppy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're drafting as if you're right, too, because if you're drafting Nico Hardman, even where he's going right now, then you're banking on him having a legit season, not just fizzle out. I think that's part of it, too. And I'm sure you've talked about this concept. Draft as if you're correct. You know, don't necessarily hedge on your picks once you've made one, because then you can just uh, you, right know, after it. you know what happened in this draft? I, I, I didn't scroll all the way up. I forgot. So it wasn't even four of my next five. I have Mahomes in this league, too. Mm hmm. So I took Kelsey and Taylor, and then Mahomes ended up falling past his ADP. Right. And I was like, all right, screw it. Like, we're going for a stack here. Then I'm going to take McCall Hardman because, you know, Tyree Kill's already gone. At that point, I'm like, you know, maybe the Chiefs are good. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe the, you know, if the Chiefs' offense is good and Michael Hardman's a vital part, then that team has upside. That was sort of the thinking there, you know. And, and like I said, I don't expect to look at this team and be like, oh, that team dominated at the end of the year. Right. But it definitely has a, you know, it has – pathway to get there and i would also throw out you know people talk a lot about construction now again there are 18 rounds so you could potentially do it like three four eight three if you want to stagger it that way or you know two five eight three or like move one of those tight ends over to to a wide receiver so on and so forth don't just say like oh i got to my nine wide receivers because i finished the draft with four straight wide receivers again think of it as just 12 rounds and make sure like that is your team yeah. that can fill in all the starting spots. And then again, I would think of your quarterback two, your quarterback three, super later on, who can hopefully give you some spiked weeks there. Yeah. Those the spiked week other players that wide receiver and tight end and running back insurance will like people who come from those typical Travis season long ETN, Travis Etienne owners would like a word. Cam right. Baker owners would like a word. It, it is such a different mindset, I think, with running back insurance in this versus season long, because in season long, you have to use waivers. Like you don't want one of those Alexander Madison's just taking up a roster spot for you each week. And you're like, okay, I got to pick up a starting wide receiver, a starting tight end, a starting quarterback. You don't have to do that here. So like having your Alexander Madison's, your, your Darrington Evans, your, your Chuba Hubbard's, I would even throw in Devonte Booker early on the season. Yeah. Those are totally solid picks to me and potentially league winning types if it hits now, I would also say if you take Dalvin Cook, don't take Alexander Madison because right. then you're not spreading your roots big enough. You want exposure to two different ones. So if you do have Ezekiel Elliott, maybe that's then the type to take Alexander Madison because once again, you're drafting as if you're correct. And if Dalvin Cook goes down for two, five, seven weeks, you have a starting running back on a bankable rushing attack who's supremely talented as well. And so also, now you have. If, if Dalvin Cook goes down, and he's your number two pick, you're probably not winning anyway. So, like, Correct. yeah, exactly. Correct. But um, yeah, the running back insurance in those like 13 round plus areas, I think, are a great way to cap your running back room at like running back four, running back five as well. And the other thing, too, is that people are not interested in those running backs in these drafts. Correct. Like, I have a, I have 43% Tevin Coleman. Because nobody wants Tevin Coleman. And you know, I don't blame him. Is Tevin yeah. Coleman sexy? Hell no. Like he's not like he's not that interesting. But 
This is a guy that, for whatever reason, Shanahan lineage has been obsessed with for several years. Mike LaFleur is a Shanahan protege. And while Michael Carter looks explosive and awesome, he is a rookie and injuries happen. Tevin Coleman could end up getting, you know, 10, 15, 20 carries for, yep. for a five-week stretch for the Jets, who I think will be probably be better on offense than people think. Look, I'm Jarek McKinnon is going yeah. as running back 60 right now, and people love to take him because they still hang on to it in this bubble that we live in. But if if Joe Mixon goes down, all indications are like Samaj P. Ryan's going to get a massive rushing workload. Sure. He's going back as running back 73. Again, I mentioned Devontae Booker because he's one of the last on this list. He's running back 68. I, Darrington Evans, like if Derrick Henry goes down, which he never has, but if he does, the identity of that team is drastically going to change. And yes. Darrington Evans comes in there and he immediately plays a massive role, a massive role. And getting that at running back 59, again, could be a clear difference in your team, like making it very, very long in one of these tournaments. And, uh, you know, and I'm saying this as someone who has stacked Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown a bunch in the last you know, a few weeks, but, and it hasn't added Darrington Evans, but that's probably a good like ancillary piece to add on the back end. If you have AJ Brown, if you have Ryan Tannehill, because then they're not going to be this power run team. The, you know? Those late, those late stacks can sometimes pay off. Like if you went and got Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, you missed out on Mike Williams, maybe finish it off with a Josh Palmer in round 17 or 18. I would throw out, like we talk about running back insurance. I think Van Jefferson is awesome wide receiver insurance Ooh. because if if Robert Woods or Cooper Cup go down, he is going to be a wide receiver in two receiver sets out yeah. there and it's going to play a massive role and you can get him as wide receiver 17, 18. And I'd also say, Will, think of where everyone has just tremendous group think and like dip your toe a bit into the unknown. This was very easy to do in May and June with the New York Jets because only one of those players was going in the top 100 and it was Michael Carter. You were getting Corey Davis as like their wide receiver three, basically right. at that time, Zach Wilson around like quarterback 28. This, I, I cannot believe I'm making this case, but there <laughs> is a, the Jets offense is going to be good. There is a first round wide receiver that we just all go in, in May and April. Will who's going as wide receiver 99 right now. This is a very long season that we have, and I understand that I am not trying to promote Kadarius Tony. say it was a good selection, oh but at some point in 17 weeks, don't you think that the New York Giants are just going to try to get some manufactured touches to Kadarius Tony? To me, he's a great round 18 pick right now because if he gives you one, two, three weeks, that's it. That's all that you need. Second only to maybe Jerry Jones and making sure that like his guys get propped up is Dave Gettleman. Like they, I mean, you think Dave Gettleman isn't invested in making sure that ownership knows that Kadarius Tony can be an effective player on on the field or that Daniel, you know, yeah. So I, I don't hate it. Um, what uh, what was I going to ask you? Oh, what do you think about AJ Dillon? He, he's in he's in that area, so he's going as running back thirty three right now. Like let let's talk about that group. It's Raheem Mostert as running back 30, Michael Carter as running back 31. Um, look, I love Aaron Jones. James Robinson was going as running back 32. I'm not sure how much you're going to promote him. I have him all the way up to like running back 17 now because I wow. think he's just going to, I think he's going to crush. He's going to crush. I, I'm, I'm a little worried about Carlos Hyde. I think it's going to be 70 30 at worst. 
I think it's going to be 70 30 at worst. Um, but AJ Dillon, one, you get that running back insurance where if something happens to Aaron Jones, then boom, you have that on a great offense. But also, I, I think his role is just expanding, even though they gave the extension to AJ Dillon. So what you, you're able to get him? I'm trying to look Aaron at Jones here for the extension. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Dillon is going around like 94 overall. So it's like in that wide receiver group where you can like poke holes in it. It's, it's Mikael Hardman. Yeah. It's Darnell Mooney, who I love, but like Jarvis Landry, Jalen Waddle. So like, if you want to take, I would say probably you're, you're running back three in that area. And in, yeah. in AJ Dillon, it, it, it does make sense because again, ceiling play is massive there for him as well. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of that's that's sort of what I've been trying to do with that. I I have a lot of Jameis Winston. I think he's gonna be very good. Naheem Hines and probably underrated, but I'm maybe I'm biased there. Terry McLaurin feels like a guy that you can get. Uh, you know, I've been drafting a little bit of is Jalen Guyton. Okay, I mean that that can be one of your late round guys. I'm gonna throw yeah, one. I have, to, I have to search for him. He's not even in the rankings. Like you have to search like guy and then like draft Jalen Guyton. I mean that's. Uh, I am not a fan of his Twitter feed, but I, I don't I don't follow him on Twitter. So the more Cole Beasley tweets, the more I want to draft him. Oh, um, oh I thought you were saying Jalen Guyton was no, 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 no. That's a good point on on Beasley. Um, the only I mean, concern I'm not going to reiterate the concern about maybe missing games, but that is a concern. Um, I, but I think it's all baked in. Well, where he, where he's going? I that's, mean, that's a good point. I mean, you could get a beat. You could you can get uh if you're if you're and maybe you have to reach a little bit to get Allen. But you could potentially put together a very cost-effective Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, Josh Allen stack and just unlock the bills. So I do not believe that Gabe Davis, if everything like goes the way that the bills want it to, is going to play as many snaps as Emmanuel Ooh. Sanders and and Cole Beasley. Like, okay. So I, I dug into this a couple months ago, and, and the ADPs have changed since then. But when Gabe Davis stepped in the starting lineup, last year like in those final like seven weeks i think like plus playoffs including playoffs he had a catch rate of like 35 percent. not great and there were like some playoff games where which is where the bills want to be like they want to win the damn thing now he had a zero percent catch rate in some of those and Mm. like as soon as john brown came back in boom take gabriel davis out then you go and like a lot of people can point that out but then I think you and I will, and where some people separate themselves, is you go and watch too, and it, it, it lines up. Like he's a very straight line player. He doesn't move laterally very well. I think they view him, and they're probably going to be second in the league in four wide receiver sets, but I think they want him to be their four wide, wide receiver. Or, and they just take deep shots with him. Exactly. And so That's he fair. was going well ahead of like Emmanuel Sanders, who's now going as wide receiver 62. Wow. Cole Beasley – is on the freaking board, Will, until wide receiver 65. And while I keep bringing up that better and best ball of like the deep shot types, I think that also makes us overlook the types like Cole Beasley. Or Jarvis Landry. Yeah, who can put up sustained weeks of five receptions, 50 yards, a score, six catches, 72 yards, you know, four catches, 42 yards, and another touchdown. He had those weeks last season. And so if he plays, if he plays, he will absolutely crush wide receiver 65 ADP. Okay. All right. Um, I, I could ask you a billion more questions about uh, underdog, but I, but I won't, We're not, you know, you've, you've got a lot of work to do. I got a lot of work to do. I got to go draft much more. Much more. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love this. Well, what you have done is insert some players that I haven't really been thinking about as, as ones to, to play. I will say this. I'm going to make one more pitch for Damian Harris. Okay. Pitch away. I love Damian Harris running back 29. So that's the end of like that dead zone area. They're going to be top five in carries this year. Well, they were top three in very, rushing attempts very, last very season. Second in carries behind the Ravens. Right. Like, yeah. Behind a top five offensive line. And I've thought Mac is going to start all along. And if that's the case, the battering ram near the goal line is done. I think people have this like warped sense of, oh, I hate in my managed leagues to have to worry about who's going to get the touches each and every week. Sure. We've also heard from Phil Perry, Mike Reese, like all these people that Damian Harris, Bill Belichick himself, Damian Harris is the guy. Now that I might only mean like 12 to 17 touches each and every week. He's going to get the Sony Michelle treatment though. And this is such a different offense from like 2019 when they were yes. near the highest in neutral pass rate in the NFL. It's going to be much closer to like what the Browns ran last year. I want the leading, you know, rushing attempts leader on the team. Again, it's going to be among the highest in the NFL behind a great offensive line with Mac Jones at quarterback. And Damian Harris right now, I wouldn't be surprised well if he finishes as a top 20 running back this season. Oh, Again, you're getting yeah. back 29. Do you think that they're showcasing Sony Michelle, uh, Frank Stafford at Florida? So you think they're showcasing? Because Sony kind of looked explosive and he looked a lot better than I thought he would in the preseason. But are they trying to pump him up to get him to trade him? Or I don't know if you can get something for him to trade. Possibly. And, you know, I also. Whenever I say something about Damian Harris, I'm like, well, Ramon J. Stevenson's going to get the job. Look, if you go back and look at what Bill Belichick has done in recent years of like Shane Vereen, Damian Harris, a few other names. He literally shirt Damian Harris. He didn't like let Damian, you know, like they, they, they registered their guys unless it's like Lawrence Maroney and Sony Michelle and first round draft capital attached to a guy. And look, I understand James White in the passing game. Sure. But yeah, maybe that happens with Sony. I'm just so comfortable that like, Damien is going to get the first crack and an extended run at that, that unless he gets injured or unless he fails, that's when it's going to get stripped away. And I just want to bank on this offense that people remember last year. Everything that they've done this offseason is to indicate how different they want to be from last year. I'm buying Mac at like in terms of offensive rookie of the year futures. Ooh, like, like when he is the fifth quarterback and it goes to a quarterback, love that very much. They're going to be multiple. They're going to be quick when they want to be with two tight end sets. They can be versatile. And it extends. This might be dangerous, but hey, maybe I'm about Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels believer. Imagine that. But like we're the Patriots to win the Super Bowl future. We're like Nelson Aguilar is going and and Jacoby Myers is going because if you're going to run a ton of 12 personnel, you're going to have two wide receivers stuck in the field. And that's them. I have a lot of exposure to the Patriots this year, and I feel comfortable with it. I do. And you have to understand that it's not going to be as like they're not going to be a high flying. No greatest show on turf but th- that offensive line is nasty and they're going to minimize you know they're going to they're going to make the throws easy they're going to get guys open and they're going to pound the ball that's what they're going to be um all right uh josh norris at josh norris you can go to uh use the under is it draft underdog list i don't even use the website i use the website underdogfantasy.com underdogfantasy.com i just type like und in my in my computer and just then download the app yeah d- download the app um if you can you can you upload rankings on the app i don't think so right no you have to do it through the website so if you want to do customized rankings but you can do it it takes it's it, you can do it a second um if you if you want to do if you want to upload customized rankings at underdogfantasy.com and if you go to the app you can fire up a draft within like i mean you Sorry. can you can be you could be drafting a team 
in the puppy because those things feel like crazy. Like I was up at 1130 last night. I entered a puppy and it's just like draft starts in 60 seconds. Let's go. I mean, but your Pringles comparison is so true. Yeah. Like I got done with the draft. I was like, well, maybe like one more before. It's like a cocktail. Like I was like, maybe one more cocktail before bed. Love it. Well, Um, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No, no, no. Thanks for doing it a a second time. And for, uh, and for uh, enjoying this, enduring this underdog fantasy commercial money. (laughs) I'm kidding. Thanks, Josh. See you, man. (laughs) All right, man. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.